we are going to be reading from Isaiah, and our Bible reading now is Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, on these Sunday mornings leading up to Christmas, uh, we are thinking about comfort and joy from the book of Isaiah. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow, and this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Well, this is the true and trustworthy word of God. Well, let's turn back in our Bibles to Isaiah and chapter 55. We are, as we said, in this Christmas series of comfort and joy, and we're finding lots of comfort and joy from Isaiah chapter 40 to Isaiah chapter 55. <clears throat> it's uh, uh, known as the book of consolation, those chapters of Scripture, and there's glorious prophecies in there about our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It tells us what he is like, tells us what he will do, and it tells us that we can have comfort and joy because of him and because of all that he has done for us. Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And uh, he writes these prophecies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Comfort 
and joy. And we all need comfort and joy, especially Manchester United supporters. Sometimes when we're listening to the news, either globally or nationally, then it gets us down. We need comfort and joy. And personally, we struggle with different things in our lives, and that can be really difficult to live life with struggles. And so we need comfort and joy, a good dose of comfort and joy. For some people, it seems that comfort and joy are just totally absent from their lives. I've been reading the poems of a lady called Mary Oliver just recently. She was an, an American poet. She died in 2019. Uh, she had won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize for poetry. But Mary Oliver had a really sad upbringing. She suffered profound abuse from her father when she was a child, and it affected her the rest of her life. So in 27 years before she died, she wrote a poem about her father. And the poem is called A Bitterness. A Bitterness. And here's some of that poem about her father. I believe you did not have a happy life. I believe you were cheated. I believe your best friends were loneliness and misery. I believe your busiest enemies were anger and depression. I believe joy was a game you could never play without stumbling. I believe comfort, though you craved it, was forever a stranger. And the poem goes on. But I believe joy was a game you could never win. And comfort was forever a stranger to you. A bitterness. Do you know that is sometimes people's lives? Sometimes people are a stranger to comfort and a loser at joy. So we all feel like that at times. So that's the value and the worth and the pricelessness of having the word of God tell us how we can be a friend to comfort and how we can win at joy. So let me give you three solid reasons from Isaiah chapter 55 as to why we can have comfort and joy today. Because Isaiah chapter 55 pours out comfort and joy into the vessel of our hearts. Three reasons why you can have comfort and joy. Reason number one, we can have comfort and joy because we can have a rich spiritual feast. Verse 1 and 2. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair, give ear, come to me, listen that you may live. God is speaking to us this morning in these verses. And God is picturing here salvation as a rich and satisfying feast. It's very poetic language that the feast is mentioned with various drinks, fresh waters, wine, and milk. And then it speaks about food as the richest affair, the best you can get. And it's all a poetic picture of an amazing spiritual feast that God can give to us in Jesus Christ, in whom 
every blessing is contained. Jesus once said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit. So this is what God promises us. This is what God can offer us, a rich spiritual feast. We can fill our souls with this feast that brings comfort and joy. Do you know, to partake of God's salvation means fullness, satisfaction, and contentment for your soul. We all have this deep spiritual need. Every living person, everyone who has ever lived, everyone who's alive now, and everyone who is yet to live has a deep spiritual need because we are spiritual people. We're not just material people in a material world. And Isaiah asks us this question. You're trying to fill your spiritual need. You're trying to fill that sense of purpose in your life. But why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? And we do that, don't we? We do this. We give our lives to things that we think actually will satisfy us and will fill us, but they are the lesser things of life compared to God and eternity. And we end up unsatisfied and unfulfilled. And we can end up feeling empty even when we have reached what we think is the biggest goal of our life without God. Our soul was made for God and we will never find comfort, joy and peace until we find our rest in God. We'll always be searching. We'll always be empty. It's God's salvation alone that can satisfy your thirsty soul and your hungry heart. Because you've got a hungry heart. And you've got a thirsty soul. And it will only ever be satisfied in Jesus Christ. So the invitation then is offered to us by God to come to this rich spiritual feast, this banquet. Four times in verse 1 we are invited to come. Come to this feast. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, come by wine and milk, come by and eat. People in need may come. If, you're, if you are thirsty and spiritually thirsty, you can come and enjoy this feast. People who have nothing to offer, you who have no money, you can enjoy this spiritual feast. People with no spiritual credit at all, you can yet come and enjoy this spiritual feast. Those who are beginning to listen, they are listening for things in life that will help them to make sense of themselves and help them to make sense of life. God says to them, look, listen to me. Give me your ear and you will live. So if you're listening to people, and we all listen to different things, so you might be listening to all kinds of things to try and find how to make your life worthwhile and achieve things. You can listen to TED Talks. You can listen to self-help gurus. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. There's so much information that comes our way through so much different kinds of media. You can listen to it all and try it. And it might work for a while, but it doesn't work without God. Nothing will, because we need to give ear to him that we might live. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and 
milk. Well, you might think, with all that on offer, with all these spiritual blessings and satisfaction for my human soul, with all that's on offer, and I can have it, surely it's going to cost me a lot. Surely I've got to do so many things in order to enjoy that comfort and joy. No. The grace of God provides it for you. You who have no money, come buy and eat. You who have nothing, come and get this rich spiritual joy. All we need to do is simply receive the gift of God, which is everlasting life. And Jesus says, I've paid the price for you. I've purchased this for you. By his life, by his birth, by his life, by his death on a cross, by his resurrection on the third day, by his ascension into heaven, by his present day intercession, and by his promise of his return to earth, he has paid for us to have this feast. So we come to this feast and we say, how much does it cost, Lord? And Jesus said, it's on me. <laughs> you can have it. It's on me. I've paid the price with my blood. I've paid for you. And it really is sensational. The very person who has put this feast on for you, the very person who invites you to come and enjoy it, is the very person who has paid for it by his life and his death. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. The cost is on him. In Jesus Christ, there is comfort and joy given when you come to God and enjoy his rich spiritual feast. There's a second reason why we can have comfort and joy. We can have comfort and joy because God offers to freely pardon our sins. God offers to freely pardon our sins. Look at verses 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. You see now what's on offer. Mercy and pardon from God. And we need both. We need both because of our sin and because we are sinful. So our sin offends God and it makes us his enemy and brings us under his judgment and condemnation. So we need mercy from God because we deserve judgment. And the only way we can get away without going to judgment is if we get mercy. And we need pardon from God because we've abused his laws and his ways, which he counts as an affront to himself. So we need to be pardoned. We need forgiveness from God. We need mercy. We need pardon. We need forgiveness. We need this. And it says here in Isaiah that we can have it. Turn to our God. He will have mercy and he will freely pardon. There's no doubts about it. God is not, if we can put it this way, sitting up in heaven saying, well, that person's turned to me. Shall I or shan't I? Shall I or shan't I? Shall I give them mercy or not? Shall I give them a pardon or not? No. You will be pardoned. You will receive mercy. Turn to the Lord. 
So what do I need to get that mercy and that pardon? Surely I've got to give thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to charity. Surely to get this, I've got to crawl on my knees up some holy mountain that's impossible. Surely I've got to go on pilgrimage to some holy shrine and place somewhere. Surely I've got to fast for a month or stay awake all night and pray. What do I have to do to pay for this mercy and pardon? Well, you can't pay for it because it's free. He will freely pardon. You can't bid for it on some kind of spiritual eBay hoping to get in first. <laughs> you just come to the Lord. You seek the Lord. You call on him. You forsake your ways and thoughts. You turn to God. And then you will receive this wonderful mercy, this brilliant forgiveness and every spiritual blessing in Christ. It's yours. Free. It's yours. And you might think, well, I can't believe that. That's just too good to be true. There's too many con people around in the religious uh, circles these days. Some churches, they just try, they're just trying to get the money out of you, really. And uh, no, I can't really believe this. I, 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 I don't think that God is as good as his word here. Well, that's our thoughts, isn't it? Our thoughts are that I'm being conned. Or our thoughts are, yeah, they'll get me into church and then later on they will be, make heavy demands on me. Our thoughts are, I've got to earn this mercy. I've got to, I've got to earn this pardon somehow because nothing is free in life. That's our thoughts. God's thoughts are very different. Look at our next verses, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, God works not on what we deserve, but on what his grace can give. We think we've got to work for this. We think we've got to do so many good things. We think we've got to improve our lives. We think we've got to become really seriously religious. We think that. That's our thoughts. That's our ways. But God's ways is so much higher than our ways. I will freely give you the water of life. I will freely give you this feast. I will freely pardon you. We see the way to heaven as a ladder that is set before us that we've got to climb up all our lives. When God says, yep, salvation is a ladder to heaven, but I'm coming down that ladder to rescue you and I'll carry you back up that ladder to heaven. The way of God is outrageous, lavish, extravagant, and amazing grace. And when you freely receive this mercy and freely receive God's pardon, you will have comfort and joy in your life. Well, let's give the third and final solid reason from this chapter as to why we can have comfort and joy. We can do so, we can have comfort and joy, because there is a bright future for those who turn to the Lord. Verse 12 and 13. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace, and the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. 
Now, when Isaiah first spoke this 700 years before Jesus, he was speaking to the Israelites, and he was referring to their return to their holy land from their land of exile, which was in Babylon. And Isaiah was saying, you're coming back to your land. And they did. But when they crossed the border of that holy land, these things didn't happen physically. What Isaiah is doing is speaking poetically. And poet, poems make the heart of prophecy. <laughs> I get that right. Prophecy is full of poems. <laughs> you could ask the question, why is so much of God's word written in poetry? If you, um, you can't see it on a a tablet or on your phone uh, app Bible, but if you should get an actual physical Bible, you will see so much of the Word of God is laid out in poetic style. Why is that? It's because God doesn't just want to speak to our minds, but capture our hearts. And that's what poetry does. Poetry isn't just like to rhyme up, but poetry is to take things that we know or things that we would like to know or experiences that we've had uh, and to capture our imagination and just to relay our experience in language that comes alive for us. And that's what Isaiah does here. And we, we've seen it in the description of the feast. And we see it in the description of going to the land that we love. So for the Israelites, it was back to their holy land. But as with all prophecy, it has more than one fulfillment. So this is speaking to us about our going to glory, our going to heaven. And Isaiah describes it in things, in terms that we understand. He describes it in the sense of uh, mountains and hills and trees. And why does he do that? He does that because we've probably all seen a mountain and we've certainly all seen trees and we've certainly all seen hills. So we know those things. But what Isaiah does is to take the things that we know and to say something about them of which we do not know so that we can understand the reality of the now to imagine the glory of the not yet. You see, if Isaiah was to describe heaven to us in all its brilliant perfection, then it might sound absolutely weird to us because we wouldn't understand it. Because there are things in glory, there are creatures there that we have no conception of now. There are plants and materials that we know nothing about. There are sights and sounds and textures and aromas and tastes that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard, and our hearts have not yet imagined. So to whet our appetites, the scriptures take what we know now and to say, actually there's something better than this. Magnify this. So Isaiah takes mountains and hills. He says, those mountains are majestic. Those hills are big. Imagine the mountains and the hills bursting into song. What a noise that would be. It says, trees, take trees. Okay, you, you, you walk through a woods or a forest or one of the royal parks, or you go on holiday somewhere, and you, you trek through all these, these trees, and... Imagine those trees, all of them, must be millions, imagine them clapping their hands. What a sound that would make. And Isaiah is saying, this is what it's like for Israel when you go back to your land. But this is what it's like 
for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ when they go to the holy land of heaven. See, when you get there, there's going to be such a jubilant situation, such an abundant entrance as the people of God dance into heaven that it's like the whole of the, the earth, the mountains, the hills, they're all singing. The trees, they're all clapping. And you go to your eternal home, welcomed in with such beautiful noise. Heaven, that's what this is referring to. The home of Jesus. And imagine the kind of home that Jesus is preparing right now for you. That's the glory that awaits for us. Imagine it. All our senses are heightened, perfected. We might have even more senses than we can even think about now. Everything will look better, taste better, sound better, feel better, smell better. It's glory. And the procession that takes place on that resurrection day will one in which we will go out in joy and be no fear. We will be led forth in peace. No one will disturb us. The mountains and the hills, which can be an obstacle to a journey, they will cheer us on. And the trees will not get in our way, but they will applaud us. There will be a wonderful procession as the saints of God, the believers in Jesus, enter their heavenly rest. When all the struggles and all the pains of life will be over. That hope can fill your heart with comfort and joy right now, if you believed it. So, you need some comfort and joy in your life? Don't be a stranger to comfort. Don't be a loser at joy. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Forsake your wrong ways and thoughts and turn to the Lord. And God will give you, even today, Comfort and joy, a rich, lavish, satisfying feast, mercy and a free pardon for sin, and a glorious and happy entrance into heaven itself. Comfort and joy is yours. It's on Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful words and thoughts this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that you are the one that made us and we were made for you. And thank you that our hearts can find comfort and joy when we turn to you. Thank you for your promises that our soul can delight in the richest affair. Thank you that we can receive mercy and free pardon for our sins. And thank you that one day, by your grace and for your glory... We will arrive safely and joyfully in that heavenly land where forever and forever we will know peace. Thank you for these things in Jesus and in his name. Amen.